A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means that adult language is probably going to be present, just so you know. Hey there, you're listening to A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary people living revolutionary lives. My name is Kevin Garcia, and welcome to episode 51. I just got back from the Why Christian Conference, and that's the Why Christian Conference, not the White Christian Conference, which has been kind of confusing when explaining that to people who don't know about the kind of work that I do or the kind of places I tend to go, because I'm definitely not going to go to a White Christian Conference, because that sounds horrible. Although there were a lot of white people there, but that's another story completely. Anyway, so I just want to say thank you to all my friends who I got to meet out there. Thank you to my friend Matthias Roberts for uh, helping me get there because Lord knows I'm broke as hell these days. And um, I'm just, I'm so thankful. I'm so filled up and encouraged by all the women who spoke and shared their story. So, uh, and some of them you're actually going to be hearing on the podcast in the next few months. And I'm so stoked to share those conversations with you. Not a lot in the way of announcements. I'll be in Chicago uh, in the first week in April for the Reformation Project Leadership Cohort. Friday night, we're having a live event, a public event. Where we're going to do worship. We're going to have some amazing speakers just share about um, their process in becoming affirming and like, you know, what it is to be a queer Christian living in the world. Um, so yeah, if you're around in Chicago, you, the event is called Reclaiming and Reforming a Night of Worship. So check that out on Facebook. Today on my podcast, I'm featuring uh, one of my internet friends, Blake Chastain. Blake Chastain is the host of the Exvangelical Podcast, a podcast dedicated to personal stories about living in, leaving, and coming to terms with the messed up subculture of evangelicalism and exploring a wide world of faith, belief, and disbelief outside of it. Blake Chastain is a writer living in Chicago, Illinois with his wife and daughter. Before he lived in Chicago, he grew up in Indiana and the southwest suburbs of Chicago and He's definitely thoroughly Midwestern, uh, even though he's thoroughly ex-evangelical, which is like uh, ex-evangelical, if you will. His family attended the United Methodist churches all throughout his youth, and despite the mainline moniker, much of the pervasive culture he was in was still, and especially in the youth group, uh, like youth group materials and the Christian bookstores that he worked at during high school, it was de facto evangelical. So, and he took his faith seriously and still does, and in fact, that's why he's no longer evangelical. Um, in this interview, we get into a bunch of different discussions about, um, you know, what the problems with evangelicalism is, um, the stories that he has encountered through his interviews on, on Exvangelical, which I'm actually on one of the first episodes, so go back and listen to that, and I will, uh, you know, you can hear me talk about crying on the internet and whatnot. Um, anyways, um, and also, Exvangelical is also available on the podcast app, so if you haven't listened to that, it's an amazing series. So I would definitely suggest you go check that out. Let me just stop talking and let him tell his story. This is my interview with my friend, Blake Chastain. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Exvangelical. I'm your host, Blake Chastain. <laughs> is that, was that pretty, was that, was that close at least? That is so good. 
Because <laughs> like you like you always have like this like delightful. It's like I'm I'm very I'm a, in a in a mellow mood. That's like when when I think about Blake Chastain, I think fire tweets, mellow mood, um, and you know, father father man. husband, uh, evangelical, <laughs> Jesus follower, but not like that. <laughs> Oh man, I'm literally blushing and my ears are burning in the headphones. <laughs> well, whoop, there it is. That's you. But for those who don't know Blake Chastain, if you were to give a snapshot of your life, what it, who is Blake Chastain? What does Blake Chastain do? What's Blake Chastain about? Uh, yeah, so I, um, I mean, mostly what I talk about on Twitter and elsewhere is um, a combination of uh, comics and um, weird tech complaints and uh, dad jokes, but primarily I talk about um, evangelicalism and the sort of difficulties that people have leaving evangelicalism. Um, so that is what I, I tend to talk about the most. And I do that with wonderful people like yourself because you were a oh. guest on, on, on one of my, on one of my shows. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's really what I'm very focused on in particular is understanding the sorts of things that, um, make people leave, uh, evangelicalism in particular. And then, um, sort of what happens to them after that. Like generally I, when I first started out, I sort of had it in my head that it was this sort of like three part act is like you have this thing growing up that you are a part of. And then as you get older, you start to reckon with it. And if you can't reconcile your beliefs with it, then you have what I, I used to sort of term as like a break or lots of people call it dis deconstruction. Um, and Such then a I'd, fun buzzword that lo people love to throw around. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, and then, um, and then finally just talk about where people, where people are now. Um, and then obviously there are people that I talk to that have projects that they're working on and causes that they're working for. Um, and I love hi highlighting that too. So that's, yeah. that's, that's me, I guess. <laughs> I will say you're like among like signal boosters on Twitter. You are like one of the biggest ones, I think like all the fucking time. Like you're always boosting my stuff and, I'm a really shitty friend on the internet, apparently, because I never boost anybody else. I just, I get, I get tired sometimes, I guess. So maybe this is like, that's what I'll do for Lent. I'll do a, a mensch for people. <laughs> there you go. Start. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important because the thing, I mean, I, I, I like boosting the people's uh, stories and projects that, that deserve to get more attention. I mean, I personally don't find myself very interesting. But the the people really? that I have... you don't find yourself interesting. Well, I mean, no. <laughs> I got you know most people don't find themselves interesting, and that's why you have to have other people like get in your face and say, "Tell me about your life." <laughs> that's right. So you're welcome to do that. Now we'll find out if it's any interesting at all. Yeah, but... <laughs> that's what we're this baby. This is but... what you came for. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, and the but, dad jokes. I mean, that's what, yeah, I, that's what I came for. I don't know what anyone yeah. else came here for. Do you yeah. have a joke to start? Yeah, more like social media, am I right? <laughs> I'm tough. Yeah, see, it's, it works. It's even worse or better. Yeah, <laughs> in text. Jesus wept. <laughs> Jesus wept. Um, or welt. I can't. 
for, for those of you who weren't on our Skype message just a moment ago, which is everybody, uh, I can't type. And also, why in God's name did they put the QWERTY keyboard with the C and the X next to each other? Because I'm always telling people that I'm going to be there in a sex rather than in a sec. <laughs> it's just one of those cruel jokes. Cruel. Okay. Redirecting <laughs> back towards, you know, point the spotlight on you. Um, so you have the Exvangelical Podcast. You've been doing that for how long now? Um, I launched the first episode actually like the week of the Republican National Convention in 2016. So like, uh, so it was like June or July of 2016 is when I started. So, uh, almost two years now. Wow. What a, a that feels like, since then. <laughs> Jesus. At the time, I remember having conversations with people about the political climate at the time. I was like, don't worry, Hillary's going to win. Right. And, you know, all of our you know, our own foolishness was highlighted in that. Um, you've been doing the Exvangelical podcast. You've had everybody from, like, Diane Butler-Bass to, like, Joe Schmoes like me and a whole bunch of other amazing humans. In these conversations, the thing I really enjoy is that it's never just one cookie-cutter story. There are, like, themes that have emerged and, like, are, like, pretty not uh you know kind of common within like kind of like every single evangelical story um but for from your perspective what are the big themes that you've seen come out through asking people about their life and their story through evangelical right. yeah yeah and I, I i totally agree that is something that you see a lot of you see certain themes come out and what I, what i do like about uh talking to people in sort of a long form show is that you see the themes, but you also get those very in individual particularities um, about their story and what makes it human and what makes it personal for them. Um, that being said, the sort of themes that we that I've seen are um, there are a lot of people that have been forced out of evangelicalism um, because of their sexuality mm. um, or because they are um, or because of their gender and that they don't totally align or fit those sorts of narratives that are so strikingly uh, rigid in evangelicalism. Like if you're not man enough, if you're not woman enough, um, or if, or if you are called to preach as a woman, uh, well then I hope you really enjoy teaching Sunday school, you know, <laughs> to babies only. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, and female babies probably, you yeah. know, because you know, there can't be anyone, an authority over a man, and all of that sort of stuff. Um, then there's also a lot of cognitive dissonance that happens, um, like people that really start to question things around the college college years and everything. And um, something that people might know from from like something they may have heard in youth group or heard if they're if they took like uh, some sort of Bible courses at a Christian college is like a lot of people say. Like you got to get them before they're 18. You know, that's actually a thing that some church leaders say. Uh, really? Uh, yeah. And it's because there, there's like a drop off, at least within evangelicalism, you know, because if you don't get them before they're 18, then, you know, they'll go to college. They'll have these life experiences. They'll whatever. Um, and that's so that, that makes my skin crawl. Right. Yeah. It's it's pretty manipulative. Like, yeah. Um, so. There are all those sorts of things. And I think that um, because I've had a lot of people on that are my age or younger, um, I think there's a lot of people that are very much still 
dealing with purity culture mm. and all of that entails um, and just how formational and damaging in so many ways that um, that like youth group culture in the 90s and 2000s was. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't always necessarily that um, it was something like domineering, even though that that is an option that that could be something. But I could even speak you know, even from my own personal experience, it wasn't always like the the expectations of a youth pastor being put on us to like be perfect or whatever. Oftentimes it was just us being assholes to each other or like wow. holding one another to like a holding one another to like these purity levels that like impossible you know. standards. Right. Yeah. And so was it the I whole mean, don't touch yourself and don't touch girls because then you're going to be sinful and right. then you yeah. know the used napkin thing no right. purple it, no purple in the church man right and and then and like how far is too far like always oh trying gosh, to establish yeah. the the boundaries and understanding what what is appropriate and what is not and and, and all then if you ever are, like crossed one of those lines you were like shamed profusely for it right yeah yeah so i mean that is those are just a handful of, of the things that are, that have come up time and again. Um, and the thing about the thing about this is that um, I think one of the reasons why it's a show that uh, someone that has loved this experience can relate to is because a lot of this stuff is like just like this shorthand we all have, you know. Right. Like where, you know, where were you when Amy Grant got divorced? <laughs> or like, oh yes. <laughs> you know, like. Like stuff like that, like people, those are cultural, those are cultural touchstones, you know, like people know, people know what you mean. And it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, when you talk about the, like the music you listened to growing up or the music you didn't listen to growing up. Right. Like, um, you know, Emily Joy, right? You've talked to her. Yeah. Yep. I often will make like nineties or like early 2000 references and like, she doesn't get them because <laughs> basically her teen years were stolen from her. And right. so, yeah, you know, it, or like, you know, like any number of, of interesting things or, or like, if you like, you did grow up in that era and like we were, we, uh, me and a bunch of my friends were out last night and we were just singing early because we had like four or five drinks a piece. Like we were all singing, uh, I think we were singing like, oh, uh, what is, there's, um. From Avalon, for as long as I shall live, I will testify. Yes. Like, everyone who just, like, knows, like, these, like, Christian <laughs> pop tunes. That honestly, though, like, for someone like myself who is still, like, in the church and still does worship music, I really yes. love those songs because they're, like, honestly the least problematic of any worship songs that we've had in a long time, if we're being frank. But that's probably yeah. another podcast for yeah. another time. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if I heard um, God of Wonders right now, I'd probably get goosebumps. <gasps> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a good song. Like it's, it's like, literally. Good I mean, song. we like. I don't know, like, if like from a from like a critical standpoint, if it's a quote unquote good song, but it definitely brings up a lot of feels for me. Oh, so many feels. Yeah. yeah sure. Do you ever, um, being that like, there's all these different cultural touchstones and like different things that we all kind of can relate to as like folks on the other side of, or either even in the midst of deconstruction. Do you, um, like. Do you miss it? Because I do sometimes. Um, Which is a good question. It's a complicated question. 
Yeah. So I, so I do think that sometimes like there is an assuredness in, um, feeling like the world is sort of ordered in a particular way Mm -hmm. and that centers you as a person and not, not only giving you like a, a center, like a individual center, but also like a universal center in that like your, the universe is oriented towards you and towards your actions. Um, and that can be really good. It's just that a lot of times when you, um, it's those moments when you have, you sort of touch against the boundary of that, mm-hmm. um, that like, um, that is what I don't miss, you know? Mm. Um, so I, so one of the things that, that sort of led to my own, I, I had a very tumultuous sort of, uh, emotional and like an intellectual reckoning in college. I went to a, um, Christian college in Indiana. And I like my first full week of college was when nine 11 happened. Oh um, my God. And I was too, I was a double major because the history department really pushed this double major thing for whatever reason. Um, so I was a double major in history and biblical literature. Um, mm. and so in history, th- one of the, um, one of the key professors was very dogmatic about his particular view of the, of history, of history. And he taught like a biblical Christian worldview is what he called it. And then, ah, okay. Yeah. And, and so like, I am very thankful for that professor because he in many ways taught me to think critically, but I disagreed with him pretty much across the board. He gave me those tools, but then I used them to dismantle his stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, As then, one does. And concurrently with that is when I started learning about Greek um, and a lot of the sort of modern, uh, biblical scholarship and just how deeply complex even just the new Testament is, um, even just from a textual perspective. Yeah. And so what happened was, is that I like, I started to realize just how subconsciously I had taken the Bible literally like word for word inerrant, you know, it wasn't something I grew up going to like United Methodist churches. So it wasn't like that that was front and center, but evangelicalism had sort of, you know, seeped into a lot of UM churches and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of, and like every like youth, youth group thing was provided by some sort of evangelical group. Right. Yeah. So, so it sort of made it into the water. And then I had this huge, uh, just faith crisis in my sophomore year. Like, okay, the, 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 the Bible isn't literal. Like Paul might not have written this. He might, you know, like all these things. And then I don't, I disagree with these political stances that are being taught from a Christian perspective, quote unquote, like quote unquote Christian perspective. (laughs) Yeah. So all those things happen. And then like, and then obviously I'm like a hormone adult teen too. So it's not like, well, so, you had hormones. It's crazy. Yeah, I, thought Christians, it? <laughs> I thought Christians didn't have hormones. Yeah. Or so, urges I mean, or desires. Yeah. And like we weren't supposed to, we, we like weren't allowed to, to watch rated R movies and all this, all these, this legalistic stuff on top of it. So like that, I, I went into that and then started hitting all these boundaries. And it was really quick. Do you ever wonder why it was always like rated R movies that PG 13 movies, even if they were like super duper violent because there wasn't sex in the movie, it was okay. Uh, 
uh, I'll, yeah. Can I give you an example from my college? Please. Okay. So my sophomore or junior year, they started individually approving certain radar movies. Oh, were, my God. Really? They had three grades. So A was you could um, – three grades for any submitted movie. A was that it could – be watched anywhere without professorial approval or discussion. Um, B was like a professor had to facilitate facilitate a discussion afterwards, and C was denied. Um, so wow, wow. Also, I didn't go to a Christian university, so <laughs> like whenever I hear things like this, I'm just like, what the actual fuck? Right. Yeah. So here's the here's the the tangible examples. Uh, Passion of the Christ, which is obscenely violent you know it's intended to be that way a rating i see a rating god the matrix um a rating really um, okay the matrix reloaded b rating because of the sex scene <laughs> um, okay and then what was what was the other one? Oh, the other one that was a surprise a rating well surprising it was uh braveheart because all the violence could be akin to spiritual warfare what? <laughs> what in Sam Hill? Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, that was definitely the case. So, I mean, that's the sort of stuff that is really painful for someone that's sort of, sort of like entering adulthood. Um, and to not have any autonomy over yourself. Right. And so when you run into all those barriers and you like are trying to become like a young scholar or a young educated person, and you run Just into like a these human things. in general. Yeah. Yeah. Then you then like all these things that run counter to you and are imbued with divine authority. Mm. Um, like you you are forced into this crossroads that is like once you get on the other side, you realize that it's artificial. But when you're in the midst of it, it's life and death. Oh, you know, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just such a critical thing. And some people, some people can sort of slough that off and like move on with their life. And like those people, like all power to them, you know, like. And I'm good for them too. Right. But for some people, it's like existential crisis time. You know, it's like, have you been watching The Good Place? Uh, I've heard of it. I've heard a couple of reviews. It's on my list of things to watch. Yeah, yeah. It's. There's one character that's just completely adult, like just angst ridden um, and has trouble making simple, even the simplest choices. Um, and that's that's the sort of person that I was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? So like it took me a long time to sort of go through that. And then like later on, I um, I discovered like a uh, something called creation care theology. And that sort of provided this synthesis of the different things I was feeling like liberal politics and an affirming view of the creation and of the creator like and that was one of the things that helped me sort of move further beyond just feeling like I was denying my birthright or something yeah wow and that uh, I could take this in like 20,000 different directions <laughs> um so just so like I because I, I love I love talking story so you hit kind of crisis of faith mode. You encounter creation care theology. Fast forward. Uh, you're married. See, you have a wife. Yes. See, una esposa. Oh, <laughs> que bueno. 
You and Bebesi? <laughs> sí. Yep. Uh, 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 ¿Cuántos años tiene? Cinco. Oh, un, pequi- un petit bebé. <laughs> yes. No, it's French. Um, <laughs> so, at what point did you realize that maybe, like, it wasn't just you who was experiencing um, this kind of, you know, walk towards evangelicalism or, like, transition towards ex-evangelicalism, as it were? Yeah. Um, so, I, I what I started to realize just over, over time, I had one of my... Um, one of my best friends ever is, uh, I went to college with him, you know, um, he, he went on to a a bit more, uh, he he went on and did some uh, academic work in the area. And then, um, really luckily he moved to Chicago too. And we spent most of our, most of our time together. And so like we were sort of, you know, um, processing these things together yeah, yeah. So, so we both have lived in the same area, and we sort of had been experiencing a lot of the same sort of struggles about um, evangelicalism and sort of our shifting ideas about theology and politics and and other, and social stuff and everything. Um, and then over time, like I started to realize that uh, even the even the people that I stayed connected to from my college. Um, that I knew even loosely on Facebook, like we had all sort of liberalized and lived lived these sort of broader lives than lives than uh, what we sort of even would have imagined back then. Um, and yeah, I sort of I I basically like I don't know, sort of pitched the idea too, or asked a friend what they thought of the idea, and and asked uh, my family and and some other people and like the idea sort of resonated and I ended up sort of sitting on it for a little while and didn't had other things going on. And then, um, but then the idea just sort of didn't go away. This was like, I, I ended up, it was, it was the thing that just kept you up at night. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, and it was, it was like this thing that always bothered me. Like I ended up writing my, like I went to school part time and I got my master's like in religious and ethical studies and I like (laughs) yeah so I so it was like I I always kept coming back to religious topics like it was just sort of this thing that I couldn't avoid um and I wrote my like my thesis on creation care and evangelical politics and um all this different stuff so like even though I no longer I identified that way like I recognize their sort of pull and their influence and things. And yeah, of um, but then seeing this sort of lived out, uh, even amongst my, my friends that I knew tangentially or that I knew well, like we were different people. Uh, and it wasn't always easy. Um, and it wasn't easy to navigate personal relationships and it wasn't easy to navigate church stuff um, when you felt like you sort of had a had to hide parts of yourself, I guess. Um, and I think they're D- yeah, yeah, yo, <laughs> like that just that it just hits real home, hard home for me because like especially the part about hiding parts of yourself, mm-hmm. which like there, there's. It's, I guess it's interesting for me because like now, like I've tried to avoid like not being an evangelical 
for if that I don't even know if that makes sense because I like evangelicalism is what raised me uh the expression that of Christianity like that most closely looks like what I'm doing is kind of evangelicalism but it's only kind of like in the worship style and the way that we do church mm-hmm. or at least organize our church body but then like in every other way it's like not the same mm-hmm. and it's really hard i think because um that evangelical identity that we had growing up w- is not just uh, a matter of like your religious affiliation but like it's a matter of like the culture you come from right in some ways yeah like it's a matter like i remember like wednesday night you know but like wednesday night potluck dinners at church right and like when somebody in the church died like everybody rallied around them and when it was like <laughs> when it was football season of all fucking things like <laughs> yeah you know there's so many like things to do people to go over like a community was built into that and mm-hmm. so to leave that it's not just a matter of like changing your religious affiliation it's like you're losing a whole fucking community right like your home your people right and yeah and that's what like makes transitioning out of it such a difficult thing right and that's that's exactly it like you lose you if you and you know pardon me for using this language but sometimes it does include an element of actually like coming out um Mm. in this weird way like that's not the that's not that's not the same in any way as when someone yeah, comes of out course, I get you, sexually, but like even, but that's the sort of sensitivity to otherness that's, that is there in evangelicalism. So like mm. you could surprise someone by saying you're a Democrat or you could surprise someone by, you know, saying you're for gun control or you could surprise someone, you know, for saying you don't believe in the Bible or the Bible's mm. literal translation or whatever um or that you don't read the esv (laughs) or like is that literally is that is that a point of contention with some people no i don't think so but like (laughs) but i mean so the esv is you know like wayne grudem is involved and like stay the fuck away but like um but you know it's like a more conservative and more they took the nasb and added complementarianism and some other garbage to it like and just baked it into a translation of the Bible that's very popular now. Um, Things I did not know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, it's very, very big in like uh, certain denominations or or church circles that are that you know are very heteronormative and complementarian and all that stuff. Um, so. Yeah. So in that in that regard, like what you're saying is you 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 run the risk of losing your community. And that is something that is also like a common thread is that if someone if someone is themselves and is unapologetic for it, um, they could lose their community, Um, Mm. even if they have a damn good reason, you know, like, yeah, uh, we we lost a church community once because we we told um, our the leading pastor at the time that we were egalitarian, you know, um, and that's pretty like that's it. So it's low stakes, but it's also table stakes. You know what I mean? So like you, it's low stakes because the because we're we're a straight couple, um, you know, we're white. It's like all those things are low stakes, but it's table stakes also because you're not going to freaking tell my daughter what she can and can't do. So it's like, 
So especially in the name of God, you're not going to do that. You're mm-hmm. not going to say that to my wife either. So, um, but you know, that was, that was also the table stakes for them. So like they didn't kick us out, but it was pretty made pretty clear that it was not a question that was up for debate. And then we lost it. We lost, you know, a community and that was painful. Uh, it's so interesting to me because like that to me seems like one of those issues that, uh, is not, that shouldn't be central to, um, to the Christian faith. Right. Uh, like even like for, like for me as someone who's like, you know, quote unquote progressive and blah, 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 all that shit. Um, when I'm thinking about like, I remember growing up earliest, like when I was like rediscovering faith in my Pentecostal tradition that I was in, mm-hmm. like, I remember we would often talk about like things that were essential to, uh, being in Christian community and things that were non-essential. And like that to me seems like such a stupid thing to like isolate somebody in your community over. Like, so what if like you, they believe differently? Right. Yeah. Or like, or, but like, but for people who are at the centers of power like that, you say that my wife is equal to me. Like they, people fucking lose their shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that I, I agree. Like it's not, it, it, it does not question anything in the apostles creed. Like if that's your, if that's your measuring stick, like, Okay, guess what? You know, then nothing in there that says that my wife has to submit to me. You know, <laughs> there's nothing in there that says women are subservient to men. You're getting that shit from First Timothy and putting that above Jesus' example of elevating women in so mm-hmm. many passages. Like Mary Isn't that so interesting? Yeah. Mary Mary was the first witness of the resurrection. You know, I mean there are so many examples of uh, counter examples, you know, uh, that it's, do you think there's something that like just touching on that real quick? Um, like I, I think this is something that I've been like kind of like wrestling with myself lately around like my relationship to the Bible, especially some of the epistles that I read. Um, cause like I just, I do this daily devotional for my Patreon subscribers or Patreon supporters. And I often find like in the letters from Paul, I have an issue with them. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like reading with them because I don't think that his theology is good sometimes. Right. I'm like, I think in some ways he was a genius, but in other ways, like, he put so much emphasis on uh, the the death of Christ and the cross that I think it out it doesn't, we don't talk about the life of Christ enough. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not like a, a New Testament scholar or anything, but I agree, like, Paul makes me uncomfortable. Like in a in a lot of ways, and you know, there's also uh, lots of scholarship out there about which things he actually wrote and which things he didn't. Um, mm. And there are instances like it, you know, there are some that might be pseudepigraphal, meaning that people wrote it under his name, and sort of in a way that because uh, that was it's a three dollar word, <laughs> pseudepigraphal. Yeah, the other one is like. Uh, the other one is that he may have employed something called an amenuensis, which is essentially sort of like a secretary um, that he might have dictated to you um, and that that, it, that may have changed his wording or some other stuff. Like there's plenty of – there's so much scholarship and that was one of the things in college that was sort of overwhelming is that like wow. my professor was this sort of – he, he was just like this infinite library of knowledge in his head. And like, he would just sort of throw off the stuff that would screw me over, like <laughs> mess with, yeah, mess with me forever. Um, and then, 
anyways, you know, things like that 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 would happen. And what's but, what's maddening to me is that like general Christian population, no fucking clue about any of that. Right. And that's the thing that like it's I mean, that's the thing that's 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 crazy, you know. People do like they'll they'll harass you on Twitter saying, you know, they believe in the word. It's like, okay, it's been around for two thousand years, which like which school of thought are you are you applying to the word? Is it a And they're saying the word. I believe it. It's what it says. The, the Bible is the Bible. It's black and white. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then right. I'm, it's like the Bible is also Hebrew it was written in Hebrew and Greek. Right. Yeah. So Yeah. And so it's eh, maddening. Yeah. So Paul in particular is problematic to me. I think he has a lot of misogyny and uh um, several of his letters. I mean, the pastoral epistles is what first and second Timothy and Titus. Those are the things that like conservative evangelicals run, run haywire with, um, and, and you used to it, keep to subordinate women and enable patriarchy, like just call it what it is. Um, yeah. I mean, but then there's also Paul in Galatians and says in Christ there is neither Hebrew, Hebrew nor Greek, male nor female, you know, all of those things that yeah. there's a level. It's one of those things where it's like, I feel like kind of like every great theologian throughout history is like in many ways they were ahead of their time and sometimes even timeless in their writing. And then other ways they were very much bound by their time. Yeah, definitely. Cause like I look at someone like I love Lutheranism and I love Lutheran theology. And then I also recognize that Martin Luther was like an anti-Semite and like, not great in other ways. Yeah, he didn't like poor people. Yeah, he he yeah. definitely yeah, and he was protected by a, a local regent and everything. You know, so like he had a lot yeah. of privilege. <laughs> yeah, know? so it's one of those things where like Martin Luther, brilliant in some ways, no, not great <laughs> in many other ways. Yeah, yeah. So it's I, and and I think that that like in a hundred years when they look back at like the work that we're doing now, they're gonna look at us and say. They, in some ways, they were very much ahead of their time, and in other ways, they were very much bound by their time. Making dad jokes on Twitter, you know. Yeah, bound, <laughs> bound, bound by the spirit of the age. That's right. Oh my god. Jeez. Um, one thing I would love to. Um, I talked about. I was like, um, I guess we kind of talked about this already in some ways. Um. Um, let me ask you about this. So you've been doing the Exvangelical podcast for a while, and for a while you had your uh, your closed Facebook group, and then you opened it up to anybody who just wanted to join it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I've discovered by joining it myself is, like, there is such an interesting and powerful community and, like, thriving community of people who are, like, just asking questions, very simple questions that are like deeply profound. And they'll get like a hundred comments on it. Like the one I think I saw today was just like, if you've walked away from a church, would there be anything that brought, would bring you back to a church? Mm -hmm. And just like a litany of stories and opinions. And like, what's it been like to kind of uh, foster and to use a evangelical or to pastor a community (laughs) like this? I know I hate myself too. No, it's okay. (laughs) Um, so yeah, it's been very interesting. I it did start off as sort of like a, a, a much smaller um, group that was primarily just people from that had signed on to early Patreon stuff, and um, then I had sort of I had been discussing it 
just privately with Chris Stroop, who's been on the show a few times and is known on Twitter and elsewhere for Empty the Pews and a number of different um, campaigns that he started to criticize evangelicalism and and authoritarianism and a lot of other things. And he's um, and he's been a, a very good partner in, in that way. He, he likes to he um, recently said that he's Magneto and I'm Professor X <laughs> and that those are sort of the roles that that we um, yeah. sort of fall into. Um, but mm-hmm. it's been very interesting because there are with with the Facebook group, um, it ballooned very quickly once it opened. Um, it went from 70 to 800 to now we're close to 2000, um, you know, mm-hmm. and just sort of exponential growth. We've added um, four. We have a total of six mods and admins right now, and we're going to be adding some more. Um, and it's been really rewarding and also challenging in, in different ways. Um, one of the things that sort of underpins it is that the name like exvangelical, aside from being sort of punny and, and all of that. And, um, it, it also, the, the term to, as I understand it and as I sort of promote it is that it doesn't define, it defines you based on a, a prior relationship. Um, so you are an ex convict or you're like your, your ex wife or whatever. Um, so it, it defines it based on that, but it does not define um, what what state you're at now. So um, in that regard, it's sort of like this ecumenical or interfaith sort of thing where it's, there are some mm-hmm. people that are no longer evangelical but might be Episcopalian or agnostic or atheist. Um, and sometimes those things will lead to uh, lead to comments that that can. Um, can be difficult to sort of moderate or administrate. Um, but for the most part, um, people are very engaging and very kind towards one another. And that's been the most rewarding part of it is that we, we do take this sort of, this sort of cultural shorthand that we all have. Um, and we are able to find this common ground um, of understanding that this is something we we no longer endorse, that we sort of repudiate this, uh, and we can find common ground in that. Um, but we also can celebrate our diversity, um, and that to me is it. It is like sort of this fine line to walk um, because it's mm-hmm. not it's not a church. Like that's this is something different than a church. Yes, there's a there is a religious element to it. But I'm not trying to indoctrinate you like that. To, to me, it's not about whether you believe a certain way. Um, one of the sort of the one of the taglines that I have that I sort of fall back to is that I like wholeness over holiness. Like I don't. Yes. <laughs> I don't care whether you're I, I don't care what you believe about Jesus in this moment. And um, I just care that like that you feel whole or that you're on on your way to that. Um, and to me, that's, that's more important than whatever your theological belief is right now. Um, so yes, we do have flare ups. Like it's a large group. There's a lot to manage. Um, that's why we're seeking to add more admins and everything, but by and large people are, um, welcome there. And we have very clear guidelines of what is, 
uh, what is acceptable behavior and what cannot be, you know, we have, we're not going to tolerate it. Yeah. We're not going to like, there's that we affirm all gender expressions. We, if people make their pronouns known, you will be expected to use them like, um, all and like a number of other things. But, but primarily it's that is that there's no proselytizing. There's no talking down. There's no, um, there's no going after or questioning someone's sexuality, um, or gender. And those are the sort of sacrosanct things there. Uh, and then otherwise, um, let's all talk and have a discussion. Um, and I think it's been rewarding to make that available, um, at the, you know, I don't think it would, would have become the force it is if I, you know, tried to continue it as the, as the Patreon thing. So I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still thinking of a better way to enable that, but, but I'm happy to have been able to, um, find other people that, that have different, yeah. different, uh, sort of experiences than I do and have different, even current beliefs than I do. And they have a role in helping to create that place and administer that place. Um, and that, it, you know, iron sharpens iron, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Come on, biblical references. That's right. I I can still pull them out. (laughs) Let me me tell you what. The majority of the time, like, I speak in, like, Old Testament biblical references because, as we all know, we had to learn it through Sunday school. Yeah. (laughs) And um, that is why I will probably never, ever uh, get married unless someone can, like, get all of my references. Um. Um. Okay, let me ask you something quite topical. Okay. Because I'm curious to know. So Billy Graham Sr., God rest his soul, just passed from this world and on to the next and probably hanging out with, uh, you know, all the civil rights movement <laughs> leaders in heaven, if heaven's an actual place, like, of, <laughs> of, of like, actual, like, cognition. Um, uh, there's, like, there's, like, a, definitely, like, a... a a really interesting uh, discussion happening on the Twitterverse around like the life of Billy Graham Sr. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Billy Graham, right? Yeah, yeah, it was Billy Graham. Okay, yeah. thought so. I'm just like, wait a second, because sure <laughs> no. Franklin Graham, his no. son, is the idiot. Also, people, if you didn't know, follow uh, Franklin Graham Redacted. Oh my gosh, so um, good. <laughs> oh my god, that's one of my my favorite projects that you have. It is so oh, no, that, funny. That's not me. That's Jackson Dame. Oh, you're you're right. Yeah. Sorry, Jackson. If you're listening, I apologize. <laughs> yeah, it's Jackson's. He he does a great it's job. All you white people, you all look the same to me. <laughs> That's just kidding. Fair. <laughs> um, um, but um, so Billy Graham, uh, the teacher of all teachers of evangelicalism for the past uh generation, died, and like there's an interesting like correlation of people saying like you know we can mourn his death without making him out to be some sort of like martyr or some sort of saint either. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Do you have any, do you have any thoughts about the life of Billy Graham and like approaching like when, when someone problematic dies? Yeah. I, well, I, I don't really, I can give a hot take or something. I don't really know. Him. Hot take. <laughs> I don't really, you don't know him personally. Know oh, him wow. personally and I don't know his sort of record as well as other people do. Um, I know that some people are, that some people are giving him credit for, uh, sort of owning up to his mistakes to a degree in regards to Watergate. Um, 
like in his sort of he backed Nixon and things like that. Um, but then once sort of Watergate happened, then uh, he sort of owned up to that and then basically re- retracted himself from politics. Um, I don't know whether I, I I don't know. There are a number of things on his record that are that are not great. I mean, he he did expressed disappointment about the fact that the UN stuff doesn't open with prayer and things like that and had some other uh, derogatory comments even with the Watergate thing I think he was he might have been recorded or somehow reported that he said derogatory things regarding Jewish people like I mean Whoa. don't quote me on that but I have seen mention of that um I do think though that like this sort of impulse um towards like hagiography which you know the lives of the lives of the saints and sort of saint sainting someone right after they die like i'm not sure the value of that in sort of in this day and age um like it'd rather just go biography over hagiography because so much of things so many things are documented now like um you know even within even if within the record that people publish now or even if you looked at someone's Twitter feed from five years ago, you'd probably find something that Lord, don't look at mine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't look at mine from six weeks ago. Right. Shit. Yeah. So, I mean, don't look at any of my tweets. <laughs> Go and follow me. So, I mean, that's a, that's sort of the, the sort of mind frame I'm thinking of. And, and that's a really like, um, I don't know, like a topical example, but, but I mean, it's sort of emblematic of the fact that, that so many things are documented. We can't just saint someone right away. You know, we can't say that they did not have foibles or faults. Um, and especially someone that has such a role in evangelicalism and in this moment, um, that even like the role of evangelicalism and getting us to this place culturally, uh, they have a lot of responsibility to bear. Um, and he was a key figure of that. Um, yeah, a, a lot of my, and like knowledge and research into the religious right is pretty much from the seventies forward. Um, and he wasn't as present in that as he was previously. Like he, he sort of seated and went receded into the background and jury Falwell and company, um, took center stage, <laughs> but God, why are they a thing? Yeah. Uh, this is Jerry Falwell jr's dad, but, uh, and then he was they were both they're both dicks yeah. as far as i'm concerned yeah senior's gone so and not even in the fun <laughs> you know hey <laughs> let me ask you one more question yeah. real quick um this is something that people have a lot of interesting takes on um uh christianity or just like evangelical or like american evangelicalism and christianity in the next I don't know, 10 years, 20 years, like, where do you think it's headed? Do you think it's going to be like this super decentralized, you know, we're going to kind of like all the mega churches are going to shut down. We're going to just have uh, house churches and smaller faith communities that just are a network of little house churches. Or do you think it's just kind of like going to morph into something different or I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? Um, I'm not, well, I don't, I don't, know that i could predict the future on this but i think that you're not psychic no i'm this not. is so confusing yeah. for me. so the some of the more troubling 
to me, sort of statistics are that like uh, church attendance is declining everywhere except within sort of evangelical or conservative churches. Um, so the sorts of people that a church might want to reach may not be within their reach anymore. Um, they they might be, but they but the loudest voices and the people that have had the loudest voices for almost half a century has been. Um, evangelicalism you know they were the ones that, mm-hmm. that built um that built colleges well that the colleges sort of happened in the 20s but then like they built colleges and they built radio stations and they built publishing companies and they you know they built this entire network of influence um and then the the mainstay or the mainline nominations they they kept on keeping on and the evangelicalism sort of stopped engaging with them. Like, um, I don't know about, I don't know about you, but like at, at my Christian college, we didn't talk about, you know, people like Carl Bart, Bart or Mm-mm. Paul Tillich or, or James Cone. Well, I also, or like, I also went to school for music, so we didn't talk about any well, of these. We were talking about Johann Sebastian Bach. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, even, even like within your, your church stuff, like, was that, were those names oh, that were ever mentioned or did you, did you come across it like later in life when you were sort of engaging what you might call like progressivism or like progressive yeah. Christianity or whatever it is like those yeah, sorts of, it was always, it's all later within the past two years for me. Yeah. So like those things are not, there's, they're a whole separate world. Um, and I do think, I, I think that the. Um, mainline churches have something to say to the culture and they have a way to exist in like a pluralistic religious landscape. Um, because like I can speak for myself. I, I started attending uh, Episcopal services um, shortly after the election with, uh, and my wife and I like sort of by surprise or by accident, like after a major sort of church hurt thing, we ended up finding a great community and we ended up starting to really resonate with Episcopalian services. Like they're very theologically dense and, and um, they're socially accepting and there's a lot of great things about it. And I, I think if someone's looking for a, a tradition like that, then it's there, but they, I, I don't know how to overcome the damage that evangelicalism has done to Christianity in general mm. <laughs> and this God, that's, that's a fucking word right there. And so, uh, yeah. So to me, that's like, I, it's really, and I, I mean, I am dead set against evangelicalism continuing. I mean, I have an entire project dedicated to talking about church trauma that people experience because of their experience with an evangelicalism. Um, hmm. But are there healthy expressions of Christianity? Yes, there are. Um, are there other healthy ways to be spiritual or non-religious? Yes, there are. Um, and I, I do think that there's a place for established churches that can speak to that and can provide those spiritual needs. Um, and I think that there are people doing the hard work but I think it's it's going to be hard work. I don't think that it's going to be um, something that will be like an overnight sort of um, success. 
you know um yeah so it's but it's not that it doesn't it's yeah i'm i'm not like vehemently anti-christian or anything like that but i am against the sorts of christianity that that evangelicalism represents Uh, Mm. so I, i get very particular in this like you know, I'll, I'll get in the weeds, but um, but I don't. I'm I'm very happy to know some of the people that are doing the hard work and that are mm-hmm. laudable things. And, yeah. Um, and I'd include you in that, Kevin. Like, oh, you're doing you're doing good work. You know, you're doing good work. So keep doing it. Thanks, Blake. I appreciate that. Either that or all of us on, on this side of the aisle are going to hell. So who can say? I guess we'll find <laughs> out. And that was my conversation with my friend Blake Chastain. You can connect with Blake across social media with the handle at brchastain. And also be sure to follow, like, and subscribe to his podcast, Exvangelical, which can be found across the internet at Pod or at exvangelicalpodcast.com. A Tiny Revolution is supported in part by my friends Sonia Bowen, Christopher Breen, Michael Vasquez, Jackie Taylor, Arian Johnson, Gary Richardson, Mark Ramsey, Bethany Bolin, Diana Kyle, Chelsea Anderson, Shannon McKenzie, Claire McClure, and a bunch of other amazing humans from across the country and the world who believe that revolutionary conversations like this one are important and needed in the world. If you think this conversation was something that was good for you, is good for uh, the movement overall, I would love for you to become a supporting partner. And how you do that is going to patreon.com slash the Kevin Garcia to learn how you can support um, the work that I'm doing, which is creating podcasts, videos, and blogs about the queer and progressive Christian experience. It's been a really incredible thing to see how many people are, you know, finally getting in touch with their own personal stories through hearing the stories of other people. And I honestly think that's why we're going to change the world, my friends. So if you have a couple bucks a month, I would really appreciate your support. Again, go to patreon.com slash the Kevin Garcia to learn how you can become a sustaining partner today. I think that is all for me. Um, I am so thankful to be a part of this community, especially after this following this, this weekend. Um, be on the lookout for a really cool video coming to the YouTube channel about my time at White Christian and a couple of other trips I've taken recently to Denver. Um, if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, go over and do that. Um, you can find that through the kevingarcia.com slash YouTube, and it has a link right there that'll send you over to the YouTube channel. If you haven't already, go ahead and leave a rating for this show in the iTunes store. It allows us to get in contact with other people and it helps the show reach a wider audience. The more reviews we have, the more people we can inspire with revolutionary stories. Um, I really like you. I think you're dope. I think you're fun. And I'm excited for the next phase of what's happening in our lives. So if, you, uh, if you've got something hard going on, I just want to let you know you're not alone in that, okay? Keep going. Keep striving. And eventually, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but eventually things are going to be okay. Remember how loved you are, all right? All right, go see your therapist, drink some water, take a nap, go walking outside, go eat something delicious, get a massage if it's in your budget, get your friend to give you a back rub if it's not in your budget, Um, go see a movie by yourself, take yourself on a date, you deserve it, honey. Okay, I'm done talking, I love you, I'll talk to you next week. This has been another episode of A Tiny Revolution. My name is Kevin Garcia, and I'll talk with you soon. Bye. Bye.